0: Welcome Grace family. Uh, As we head into Thanksgiving week uh, my prayer is that your heart is filled with gratitude. Uh, I know that I am thankful for my church community, for you guys. Um, So thank you as we continue to gather in home groups and in homes uh, to watch this video, to continue to pray together, to lift our voices together, um, to give honor and glory to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Normally, on this video, we don't do announcements, Um, but if I were to do an announcement, I would say that the Christmas Bazaar is coming up on December 6th, and this year we will be doing it all online. So, you will be able to go to christmasbazaar.org and make your donations to your ministries that you love to support, and the theme this year is Extending Grace as Uh, We want to look at others and just go, this has been a tough year. Uh, How can we extend grace to those in the mission field and uh, know that our money is going to be impacting uh, lives all around the world with our donation? Um, We also have another COVID Sunday first, and that is for the past eight months or so, uh, Dave Gunlock has been teaching us, um, whether in person or online, and for the first time, we have a guest speaker this morning Um, he is not a guest speaker uh, perhaps he is our friend and his name is daniel watts and so i have the extinct pleasure to introduce daniel daniel for the last um, eight months has also been going through his version of covid and everything that goes around that Um, he is also now the head of every generation institute um, where he is also the solo employee. So he is uh, working and has been coming up with curriculum and uh, book ideas. And so uh, we are so excited to hear from him after such um, a long abstinence. Usually we would hear from him twice a year. And so it is um, my pleasure to introduce Daniel this morning. So before we go into worship, how about I pray? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, um, this week is full of uh, a time to be thankful. It usually revolves around good food and family, and I pray that those elements would all be there for everybody uh, listening right now. Um, Lord, for those who are estranged with family and this is a hard time or feeling lonely, Lord, I, you are our good Father. And so I pray that we would uh, draw near to you during this time, that we'd recognize every good blessing. Um, is from above, that you are our um, sustenance, that we can rely on you, that you will meet us where we're at. And Lord, you are our sustainer. And so, Lord, we praise you for all that you have done um, in this last year, despite all the things and the distractions, Lord. uh, You were there, and you have um, given us your provision and your protection. Lord, we cannot thank you enough. Um, Heavenly Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: of a God and key. to the evening find a
2: Daniel will be continuing our teaching in Ephesians. So today we'll be looking at Ephesians three fourteen through 21. So join me in reading this passage. For this reason, I kneel before the father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord.
3: All right, good morning. Great to be with you today. Uh, Before we start, let me pray. It's Thanksgiving this week. And we have so much to be thankful for. So let me pray and please join me. God, we are so thankful for your grace and your mercy. Uh, We're thankful for the new life that you've given us in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I pray that as families gather together this week to celebrate uh, Thanksgiving, I pray that the focus would be on you and giving thanks to you. And we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, years ago, when I was the children's pastor at Mariner's Church, we had a special evening program for 5th and 6th grade graders. And at the end of the school year, we wanted to do something special for them. So I decided to organize a staff hunt at South Coast Plaza. And the idea was that all the paid and volunteered staff, there was probably eight of us, would disguise ourselves and go to South Coast Plaza. And the 45 or so kids that were in the group would go with chaperones and try to find us. And we would be disguised. And because of that, we had a password and a uh, clue that we gave to each of the children, each of the groups to try and find us. So I went all out and I went to a costume store and I bought a habit for my wife, Marla, and dressed her like a nun. We had been married uh, three or four years. She was just a couple of months pregnant. And so I had her in a nun habit. And then I rented a wheelchair and an old gray wig and some makeup. And I sat in the wheelchair, and my wife uh, pushed me around the mall dressed like a nun. Well, uh, the kids were trying to find us, and other of the staff were hiding in various places, and they would walk right by us and have no idea who we were. So my wife was pushing us in the, in the mall, and I, I looked down, and we saw a g- gathering of maybe 30 or so people outside of a store And when we rolled up in the wheelchair, we noticed two people sitting in the window of, it was like a pottery barn store. And it was actually two of our staff who had convinced the owners to let them sit at a table as kind of live mannequins. That drew a crowd. crowd. It was so awesome to see. And they got ratted out and caught by the kids. And so we knew there was no way they were going to find us because they kept walking right by us and and had no idea who we were. We didn't look anything like they had imagined. And so apparently, one of the moms told us they saw a man in a business suit. The hint, the clue that we had given them for us was, things are not always black and white, a reference to my mo- wife's habit. And things aren't always the way they seem. The password was hamburger. And then we would say french fries, and they would know they had found us. So apparently, they saw a guy in a black and white suit, convinced themselves that it was me in disguise, So finally, two of the kids, like uh, mustered up the courage, went up to the guy and said to him, hamburger, to which he replied, "Uh, are you hungry? Do you need money? And embarrassed the kids and the chaperone. Well, we knew they'd never find us. We were now waiting at the place we were going to meet with them. And just about five minutes before we were ending the activity, we got caught. We had gone into a bookstore. We were kind of bored. The kids were never going to find us. And my wife picked up a book. One of the girls noticed a nun reading a book entitled, What to Expect When You're Expecting. And nuns aren't supposed to be reading those books. That's how we got caught. The uh, key to it was that we didn't look anything like they would have imagined. That's a bit of what I want to talk about this morning. This idea of image, imagination. It's all related to this uh, Greek word, this Latin word, imago. And image and its related words are all part of our English culture. It's a word we use in the medical field. Uh, we refer to children's imagination. Certainly part of the pop culture when we're concerned about our image. And it was part of a, it's part of the musical world where we know John Lennon. Those of you who are older know that the Beatles wrote a song entitled Imagine. And most recently, Mercy Me recorded the big hit, I can only imagine image is an important idea and it's important in the Bible and it's referred to in Genesis chapter one, right at the beginning in verse 26. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn there with me and I'm going to read verse 26 from Genesis chapter one. Then God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish. In the sea, and the birds, in the sky, over the livestock, all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. God created Adam and Eve in his image to reflect his perfect character in the world around them. They were to reflect God's goodness, God's love, all the wonderful qualities of God in his perfection, were to be reflected by Adam and Eve into the creation. They were to be the image bearers of God. That didn't quite work out right. Adam and Eve sinned and failed to represent God effectively in the garden. And in some senses, God has been resolving that problem ever since. And I believe it's on the mind of Paul... When he prays the prayer at the end of Ephesians 3. This idea of being the image bearer of God in this world. So if you wish, I would like you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. We've already read verses 14 through 21. I want us to look in verses 14 through 19. And I want to draw out three nuggets that I think are found in this prayer. And they are family, power, power. And image. So to start with, Paul begins his prayer in verse 14. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Paul uses this term patra patria. Pater is father in Greek. Patria is family. And it's kind of a word play in the Greek language. And it's not exactly clear what Paul means. I don't want to get into all the details, but there's two two general schools of thought. One of them is that it's a reference to every family on the earth finding God as their father. The other view is, is that Paul's referring to the father of all believers. And without going into details, I believe in that second interpretation and follow people like John Stott, who say they, refer, they understand Paul to be referring to God as the father of the family of believers. Paul uses the term family frequently in the Bible, speaking about the church. He refers to the church as the household of God on three different occasions. He refers to the church as the family of God on six different occasions. And most amazingly... He refers to brothers and sisters a hundred and nine times in 64 different passages. It would appear that in the New Testament, the fundamental building block in God's kingdom is the church as the family of God. Paul was praying that the church in Ephesus would live like a family that they would understand they're a family with God as their father. And I believe that Paul was thinking about certain qualities of the family that should be evident in our church community. Things like leadership. Church families have to have leaders who influence the family members towards God's purposes. Families are concerned about resources. The members of a family want to make sure that all the other members have access to basic resources. Families are concerned about safety and protection. They wanna make sure that all the family members are safe and taken care of. Family members are concerned about love and care. And family members are concerned about discipline and accountability. A healthy family has members who hold each other accountable and disciplines family members as needed. When we think about the church today, we need to think about it the way Paul talks about it in this prayer in Ephesians, as the family of God with God as our Father. Today, many of us think that the church is something that you watch online or go to once a week. We give money to it because it's a good influence in our own lives and in the community and the world around us. Many of us grab a cup of coffee in the morning and then go about our day. And unfortunately, many Christians show up on Sunday or check in online and get a cup of God, and then they just go on with their week. Paul's reminding us that we're part of a family. It's not a biological family, but a family whose members confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and confess Jesus, God as our Father. Jesus spoke directly to this issue and very clearly in Matthew 12, verses 46 through 50. And I want to read that. and Listen along with me or read along with me. While he was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, look, your mother, your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. But to the one who had told him this, Jesus replied, Who is my mother, and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. If our first nugget is about family, the second is about power. Paul goes on in verse 16, In his prayer and says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. The word that Paul uses here that's translated strengthen in the NIV is exactly the opposite of the word he uses in verse 13 when he says not to be discouraged because of his sufferings. Dave spoke last week about sufferings and grace. Paul uses the exact opposite word for discouraged, and it's translated strengthen. It could be uh, translated also as to be encouraged, to look up, to be hopeful. What Paul's saying to the Ephesians is, don't be discouraged, be encouraged. Don't lose heart, take heart. Don't feel hopeless, be hopeful. This may be the COVID-19 prayer of God's people as we enter into 2021. It's the powerful work of the Holy Spirit that can bring us hope, encouragement, and allow us to take heart. How exactly does that work? With so much discouragement in our society today, the answer to that question is crucial. How does that work? And let me suggest the following. Uh, some of you know I studied physics in the university before I went to seminary. Power in physics is related to work and time. I don't believe that Paul's concerned about modern physics, but we all know that power, work, and time have some relationship. And it's true spiritually as well. The longer that someone works in your life, The more time you spend with them, the more power they exert in your life. When we nurture our relationship with the Holy Spirit of God, allow God to work in our life over time, we experience his life-changing power. If we believe in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, then we believe that God is fully present with us in every moment of every day. That the Holy Spirit is the personal presence of God. And we can either choose to nurture and develop that relationship or ignore it. And Paul is praying in verse 16 of chapter 3 that we would embrace that relationship and let the Holy Spirit exert his life-changing power in our lives. But it's a choice we have to make we can choose to spend our time listening to our favorite Fox pundit and listening to all the political analysis. We can follow CNN to find out who the likely top cabinet picks are. You can track the Orange County Department of Health daily COVID-19 updates. You can read every opinion, editorial article in the Wall Street Journal. You can binge listen to some internet news host. You can follow the blog that gives the latest updates on our governor's Sutter County trial. Or you can let every conversation you have devolve to discussions about racism in the United States. And you will likely join the millions of other Americans who are depressed, downhearted, discouraged, and feeling hopeless. Or, we can choose to acknowledge God's abiding presence, speak to Him during the day, read through the You version of the Bible every morning, sing songs of worship and praise during the day, and choose to not dedicate so much of our time to the tumultuous events of the world around us. When we practice the presence of God, he'll strengthen us with hope, encouragement, and a take-heart attitude. Some of you might think that that sounds like Sunday school, dribble, read your Bible and pray every day. I just want to remind you of the world that Paul lived in. If you go look at Roman history between 55 and 65 AD, Paul was living in a really bad world. Here's just a few of the lowlights. The Roman emperor was assassinated by his own praetorian guard. This is like the president of the United States being assassinated by the Secret Service. Shortly after that, the wife of a previous emperor was declared to be deity. One third of the Roman population at the time he wrote Ephesians was living as slaves, one-third of the population. Mount Vesuvius erupted and buried Pompeii. Roman legions fought in southern England and defeated the Queen Boadica, massacred 80,000 English warriors, raped the Queen and her sisters, who subsequently committed suicide The Roman emperor was publicly acknowledged, acknowledged, and even celebrated as a pedophile. The city of Ephesus itself was the home of the great temple to Artemis, and the city was filled with idols, all of that being a gigantic affront to God. And to boot, no pun intended, the emperor Nero got into an argument with his wife and kicked her to death. When we read Ephesians, there's nary a word about current events. And this is the same in so many of the New Testament letters, because it would appear that Paul and the New Testament writers were most concerned about living under the reign of Christ in his kingdom and not dwelling in too much on the current events around us. When I got married, I was not a tidy person. Some years after we got married, Marla let me look through her diaries, and I found some entries that were made before we even started dating. And in those entries, she described my dishwashing policy and my clothes washing policy. The dishwashing policy was, I had my clean dishes, I used them, ate on them, and so on. When they were dirty, I would stack them and pile them around and in the sink. And when all my dishes, silver and glassware, was dirty, then I would wash them all and start over. My clothes washing policy was very similar. I had a double bed, I slept on half, the other half I piled on my clean clothes. When I would wear my clothes and decided they were dirty, I would throw them on the floor When the pile of clean clothes was all on the floor, then I would go and wash my clothes. Today, Marla and my children would say that I am pretty neat and tidy. They might even say I am a fastidious person. I cite as evidence even last weekend when Marla and Brittany were drinking water at the house, set their glass down, they went to refill it. They found I had scooped it up and put it in the dishwasher already. The reason I'm different today is because of my wife, Marla. Living with her, listening to her, learning from her has made me over 35 years a different person. In fact, Marla and just a few people even remember the old Daniel. And this is what Paul's urging on the Ephesians. Cultivate time with God. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. God is present with us in the each moment of every day, and when we acknowledge that, he works powerfully to give us hope, encouragement, and a take-heart attitude. Which leads to my final nugget regarding image. In verse 19 of this prayer, Paul gives his real vision for the church in Ephesus and writes to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He's not praying that the Ephesians would experience some attribute of God like love, but rather that they would be filled with the fullness of God, meaning that they would reflect the image of God in this world. For Paul, the indwelling presence of the Spirit in verse 16 and Christ dwelling in our hearts in verse 17 leads to God's fullness in our lives. The image of God being reflected in our lives. When the people of God live as his family and reflect his image in this world, then the message we preach is the message people see evident in our church. Paul's prayer is that that the fullness of God would fill our lives and our church. With that said, when I look at our society around us, there's three qualities of God that I I think need special reflection in our world today. The first is kindness. Kindness is the active expression of love for another. The acts of kindness on our behalf from God are limitless, most beautifully expressed in Jesus' death and resurrection and the forgiveness of sins that we experience. But today, there is so much bitterness, hostility, anger, and vitriol among people. Christians are to reflect kindness, the kindness of God to each other, in the way that we speak to each other, the way that we act with each other, and how we do that with the world around us. The second quality that we need so much that I've been so convicted about myself is peace and confidence. I find, myself included, so many people struggling with fear. Fear regarding their health with the pandemic, fear about finances, fear about family members, fear about the world around us, fear about the future of our country. God is never afraid. He's never been afraid. He will never be afraid. He has complete understanding, perfect wisdom, unlimited power, and consummate skill and is able to manage this world towards his ultimate purposes. We need to be reflecting his peace, wisdom, confidence in our church, in our community, and in the world around us. And last is hope. God will accomplish his purposes. God will have a final reckoning. And this is our hope. The future is not uncertain to God. Justice will eventually prevail, and God will be victorious. Therefore, we should reflect that hope into this world and denounce despair, refuse to give in to hopelessness, and reflect hope in the world around us. God would have us reflect his image into this world and not disguise ourselves as a nun or a man in a wheelchair, but be the image of God in this world. While this may seem like a tall order, and it is, we echo the final words of Paul's prayer, knowing that all things are possible for him. In Ephesians 3:20 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.
0: Well, we hope you've been encouraged today, and like always, we invite you to keep the conversation going by engaging the discussion questions immediately following this. And let me close our time with this benediction To Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority.